0: Welcome back and thank you for listening to Trekker Talk, a fan podcast devoted to the adventures of 23rd century bounty hunter Mercy St. Clair from the pages of Trekker Comics by creator, writer, and artist Ron Randall. I'm Ruth.
1: And I'm Darren. Just a reminder that this is a fan podcast and the opinions expressed are solely ours. We encourage all of you to visit trekkercomic.com. That's Ron Randall's official site dedicated to Mercy St. Clair. There you'll find the latest Trekker news as well as a brand new page of Trekker material that he publishes every Monday. The Jekka storyline is currently running, and we've definitely had some exciting pages in recent weeks as that story nears its end.
0: You'll also find links to all of the ways to follow Ron Randall on social media, including links for Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, and his Patreon page, where if you want, you can choose to help support the new Trekker material.
1: During this podcast, we'll occasionally refer to page numbers related to the story. Trekker has been published in various formats, including individual issues of a solo series, various specials, and multi-part stories in the anthology series Dark Horse Presents. For our references, we'll be using the page numbers from the Trekker Omnibus, which is a collection published in 2013 that includes all of the Trekker material up to that point in time. We've chosen to use the Trekker Omnibus because it's widely available and reasonably priced. It's available in print and a graphic novel collection, Or you can download it directly onto your tablet of choice by purchasing a digital copy from either the Dark Horse Comics app or from the Amazon Kindle store. And since the last episode, Dark Horse Comics have now been added to Comixology.
0: Also, if you own the books on any of these digital platforms, please consider taking a moment to rate the books. It would be great to see several five-star ratings that would hopefully encourage new readers to give the books a try. At the time of this recording, there's only our five-star rating on Comixology, so please add your own so it doesn't feel lonely.
1: In this episode, we're going to be talking about the story The Trail to Scarman's Burn, which was featured in issue number two of Trekker and published in July
0: 1987. Last episode, we talked about why that issue of Trekker was significant to us, and this issue, we have another story about why this is also significant. We had the pleasure to see Ron Randall at Baltimore Comic-Con last year. We had taken our Trekker comics along to get them autographed, and we had set aside some money to buy prints and other items from his booth.
1: When we arrived, we saw a very enticing sign at his table that he would do original drawings over the weekend, so we definitely asked for one of those. The drawing he did for us was stunning, and just a little reminiscent of the cover to this issue. It is Mercy in a Desert Setting. She's just cresting the top of a hill, and her weapon is pulled, and she has a stern expression on her face. She's ready for action. It's a fabulous drawing, and we couldn't be happier with it. It's matted and framed and hangs on the wall here in our house.
0: And Ron Randall is on the guest list for Baltimore Comic Con again this year, so we're already setting aside money to get another original drawing when we see him. Eventually, we'll have a whole wall devoted to Ron Randall and Mercy St. Clair, and I think it will be beautiful. Trekker number 2 was published by Dark Horse Comics with the cover date of July 1987. Sequentially, this is the third Trekker story, and it appears third in the Trekker Omnibus from pages 60 to 88. At Ron Randall's official trekkercomic.com site, the story is listed as Trekker Book 3, The Trail to Scarman's Burn. The story is in black and white and written and illustrated by Ron Randall with letters by Ken Brusnack.
1: I mentioned a little about the cover earlier. We'll post the cover on our Trekker Talk Facebook page, We'll also post a photo of the drawing that Ron Randall did for us there as well. Mercy is in a desert, rocks and sand all around, a yellow sky above. A crashed ship is smoldering in the background. The shoulder of her uniform is torn. She has a gun in each hand. Smoke is coming from the barrel of one of them as though she has just fired it. The story opens in the dirty streets of New Guelph. We're following a man with a beard, and we see him walk into Ontari Apartments. We then get a splash page with the title of the issue. The man we've been following is entering the lobby and Mercy is there pounding on a pair of doors. He explains to her that the tubes are out of order, but should be worked on the next day. Mercy calls him Tom, with an H, and complains it is the third time this month that the tubes have been out. Our new acquaintance immediately starts asking Mercy if she's on a case. She's barreling up the stairs at full speed and huffily talking about a bank robber named Hiltz, who killed 15 hostages and escaped into the wastelands. She's complaining that her chances of catching him get smaller every moment she's delayed. Tom exclaims the killer must be heading for Scarman's burn, and Mercy responds that that is the assumption if Scarman's burn even exists. Tom thinks he can help, but Mercy has little confidence that he can. We get a little insight into Tom's mind, and learn he's been trying to get an opportunity to impress Mercy for months, and thinks this is his chance. Mercy asks if he's working on another paper, and we learn his full name is Thomas Richards, and he's a released history professor, which we assume means unemployed, and writing papers is the way he currently earns a living. Tom starts explaining that Skarman's Burn has generally believed to refer to a military victory of Colonel Skarman. Mercy is obviously already impatient, so he hurries on, referencing a huge remote area where the battle occurred 150 years earlier. Mercy cuts him off and starts to leave, but Tom stops her by indicating he knows the location that so many have searched for because he believes it is nearly 200 miles from the generally assumed location. Tom produces an obscure book on the history of outlaws in the area. He doesn't believe Scarman's burn refers to the colonel, but rather an outlaw named Scarman who thrived in the area. Mercy wants to know why he hasn't gone to the police with this information, since there is a reward for finding the burn. He has, but the police dismissed the idea without further evidence. Mercy wants to know where the area is and tells him she'll bring his evidence. He explains that a location called Needle Rock is key to finding the area, and if we look back at the cover, we'll see a rock that looks like a needle in the background. Mercy needs to borrow his ship. Tom wants to go with her, but Mercy literally laughs in his face and says, See you soon, leaving him standing alone in the room. In the wastelands, a single ship is flying low and lands outside a remote trading post. A man with long hair and a scar on his face gets out of the ship and walks into the store where a man and a woman are working. The man in the shop says, Welcome to Ben's Trade and Fuel. The man from the ship ominously asks if the two of them and the young girl he sees praying in the corner are the only people there. Ben nervously tries to convince him that customers stop in all the time because they're a tank full from New Gellif. Mercy is flying Tom's ship through the desert. She is nearly out of fuel but knows there's one last station ahead. Then she sees smoke in the distance. She arrives at the fuel station and finds three burned bodies. Hiltz has taken all the supplies he can carry and torched the rest. Suddenly bullets rain down on her location. There are two ships in the distance, each with two men. One of the ships moves in to see if they got the trekker, but Mercy appears above them and takes the two of them out quickly. She grabs the ranged weapon that one of them was using and drops down for cover. She aims at the second ship in the distance and quickly takes out both men. Mercy gathers up the best of the weapons and decides to take one of their ships, which she calls Desert Rovers. They're faster than what she has, and she's confident they'll be faster than the police vehicle that Hilt stole. She plans to stop back by to pick up the four bodies later, assuming they likely have bounties on their heads. Two hours later, she is nearly out of fuel and lands on the tallest mesa she can find. She pulls out binoculars and is relieved to see what is obviously Needle Rock in the distance. At the base of it, she sees the ship that Hilt stole. It is too far away for a shot, so she heads back to her ship. She expects an ambush, but even so, Hilt's trap works and her ship is destroyed and she and her weapons are sent flying through the air. She rolls quickly and pulls out her gun and begins firing faster than Hiltz expected. We're back in New Gallif. Molly is answering her door. It's Paul Clemens. He's supposed to have a date with Mercy, but since she didn't answer her door, he's checking to see if she's at Molly's place. If you remember from the previous issue, Molly hopes Mercy's and Paul's relationship will move forward, and obviously that is what Paul hopes too. He plans to ask her to go off-planet to get away from New Gallif for a while. It's night in the wastelands. Hiltz is tracking Mercy by moonlight through the brush and into a swampy marsh. Then he triggers an apparent trap that Mercy has set. It's similar to the trap he set for her earlier. He turns quickly and fires his weapon before he realizes it's just a distraction. Too late. Mercy rises from the marsh where she was hiding. She's wearing her infrareds and clubs Hiltz with a large branch. She turns to get her gun that she had set aside to keep it dry, but Hiltz recovers quickly and grabs her. She's still holding a smaller branch, though, and hits him in the ribs with it, but it wasn't enough. He swings his fist and knocks Mercy to the ground and takes her gun. As he raises it to fire, a giant creature rises from the water and grabs hilts in its mouth. It drags hilts underwater and blood begins to rise to the surface. There's a twist, though, because it isn't hilts that's dead. It's the creature, and Mercy hears hilts climbing out of the marsh in the distance. Mercy pulls out her reeler. There's no way she's going back in the water after seeing the size of that creature. By dawn, she has tracked Hiltz out of the swamp and back into the desert. Hiltz comes out of the brush to find what he's been looking for. A woman is waiting for him with a ship. He pushes her aside. He needs water and a gun. A blaster bolt hits the ground in front of him. Mercy is caught up to him. Hiltz grabs the girl to use as a shield, but Mercy isn't impressed. She recognizes Silica Blaine, who is wanted for murder, robbery, and arson. Not much of a hostage, she tells him. Hiltz pushes Silica toward Mercy and turns to run. Out of a reflex action, Mercy fires her weapon, hitting Silica, but is angry at herself for doing it. She stops to try to help Silica, though she knows there's little she can do. Mercy then begins to track Hiltz again and follows him up a steep cliff, but Hiltz is waiting for her at the top and looms over her as she hangs precariously. Mercy fires her reeler and both she and Hiltz begin to tumble down the cliff, but he catches a handhold first as she continues to slide down the hill. Hiltz arrives back at the ship that Silica brought. Hilts notices blood in the doorway to the ship just as a blast hits him. In a twist, it's the dying Silica who shoots him. As he is bleeding to death, he wonders how, and then he sees Mercy in the background. While she couldn't save Silica, she could help her get her revenge against Hilts. At the close of the story, Mercy has a long trip back to the city with a ship full of bodies, and thinks to herself that this is the kind of justice to expect in the Wastelands. Brutal, stark,
0: and final. This is definitely an action-packed issue, and I must say that I'm glad I was only reading it, because it was exhausting to watch Mercy track hilts through the desert and the swamps.
1: I particularly liked all the visuals in this issue. Very interesting. Lots of juxtapositions with futuristic ships flying through a desert wasteland, a lone trading post that looked like it was straight out of an old western. I really liked the way the story kept flipping who was tracking and who was being tracked.
0: Well, let's do a page flip through the story and talk about it more in depth. Right off, we meet Tom Richards, who seems to have a crush on Mercy and hopes to impress her with his knowledge. But while she's willing to accept the information, she doesn't seem remotely interested in anything else from him. We received a very timely email from Brian Mulvey just a few days ago. Neither of us caught this, but it turns out that Tom Richards is a nod to British musician Richard Thompson, of whom Ron Randall is a fan. Brian had exchanged Twitter messages with Ron about this story in the past, and we thank Brian for sharing that story with us.
1: It also explains why it's Tom with an H.
0: And I want to point out on page 62, the bottom right corner, just that city scene with architecture and crafts on the page. I really like the detail and just the world that is created there, the futuristic looking architecture and all of that detail.
1: So just flipping on through the story, well, first off, uh, on page 64, it's really nice seeing them running up the stairs, so you can just really see how far they have to go, and Mercy is already most of the way up the first flight, and poor Tom is just barely able to get started.
0: She's the fit one.
1: And turning on to page 66, we get the flashback of Scarman's crash, and really interesting looking uh, design for Scarman He's... His head shaved completely on one side, has really long hair on the other side. The way he's dressed, it makes me think very 80s punk rockers. So I could imagine this in color with him having green or purple hair.
0: He's basically saying, hey, everyone, look at me. I am scary and you should watch out for me.
1: And flipping on to page 68... We get one of my favorite panels right in the center of the page. That shot of Hilt's alone ship flying in low toward the trading post is just stunning. I love it.
0: One nice touch that I appreciate about that panel in particular is how everything is windswept and you see the wind blowing, like very effective movement there.
1: Turning the page to page 69, we get to see inside the trading post. I don't know what it is, but something about the design of the inside of the trading post makes me think of the old Daniel Boone TV series. Uh, Just think of that series whenever I see that panel.
0: One thing I really like on this page is if you look at the very center panel, there's like a zoom in close up on the baddie hilts. And you see there's a scar that runs from his forehead down across his eye and down through his cheek. So it got me to thinking, this man has a scar and he's headed to Scarman's Burn.
1: Really nice point. I'm glad you caught that. We see on page 70 a nice little cameo from Uncle Alex. It's nice to get to see him in the issue. He is answering a phone call and being told basically to call off the search for hilts again establishing just what a bad place New Gellif is because apparently the lives of 15 hostages aren't very important. They're already willing to give up the
0: search. And did you notice how his communications device is just tiny like a button, so very futuristic as things get miniaturized going forward in the future? I
1: think it was a Bluetooth headset.
0: Oh, could be.
1: Flipping on over to page 71, we get a nice scene of Mercy flying into the burning trading post now.
0: And this, the bottom left corner of this page, I like the depth that there is as you're looking down on the scene, the burning trading post, the craft flying through, and the rocks.
1: And I really like pages 72 and 73 when we meet up with the other four villains of this story. And it's interesting because you could almost say, well, that's irrelevant to the story, but it isn't at all because it helps establish just how bad and dangerous the wastelands are because... Mercy is making her way in, tracking this murderer, and even while doing something like that, she has to contend with four other people just showing up out of nowhere ready to kill her off.
0: Right. She has to be on the lookout and be careful at all times, never know what she'll run into.
1: And I'm assuming that it was the burning trading post that probably attracted their attention as well, and they probably come in to see if they can scavenge some things.
0: Looters. That's it. Let's flip on over to page 74. I like the telescopic lens effect there, just a third down the page where she's looking through like the sight on her rifle.
1: And if we flip to page 75, that very top panel makes me think of the very first Star Wars movie whenever I see it, because I can just see Luke Skywalker there on the top of the dune with his binoculars watching the sand people below. So I see this and I think, oh, maybe Mercy is staring at some sand people down there.
0: Could be you never know what's going to turn up in this world. The very bottom stretch of panels on this page, I like, too, because you're really getting into the action of she's flying that craft, and we're you know curious to see what is she going to find and where are the obstacles up ahead. And then suddenly that giant log gets raised up, so very good use of action there.
1: And it leads right into page 76, which is another one of these pages where Ron Randall shows off how amazingly he can draw and capture movement because you just see the ship coming to a complete stop there as it hits the branch. And you see Mercy's body flying through the air. She hits the ground, tumbles, rolls, pivots, raises her gun. It's just very exciting.
0: It's good storytelling through and through. Like There's no dialogue going on in the this page at all and it's just all of the action is conveyed without any word or explanation until the very end is as uh, she's landed and struggling to get up so now to page 78 it's a scene told in just one page and it gives us a little interlude with molly and paul and reveals some insight into the character of mercy mercy was really supposed to have a date with paul but obviously once she got on this case she never gave him another thought Paul mentions that he is planning to ask her to go off-planet, and we'll have to see what happens with that plot line in the future.
1: On the very next page, 79, I like this. It's almost two pages in one because we get what starts off or looks like a splash page of the desert filling the background and all around, but then over top of it we get several panels of hilts tracking Mercy through the brush. So very nice page.
0: And wow, look at page 80. This one is spectacular. What do you think, Darren?
1: No, I agree. The very top panel in particular is outstanding, very dynamic. Page 81, we get the surprise of the creature that shows up. It is another one of those almost false endings in this issue where under most circumstances you would expect this to be the end of poor hilts, but we get surprised because the creature dies, not hilts.
0: And I was concerned for a moment, really, when that creature came up and grabbed Hiltz. I thought, oh, no, Mercy doesn't have a chance to finish him off. Like, I wanted her to be the victor. So I was concerned for a moment that, you know, he got me there. And then there was the twist.
1: If We turn on to page 82. We see Hilts meet up with Silica. She's brought a ship. And when Mercy shows up, I think it's very funny that Hiltz immediately tries to use Silica as a shield. And Mercy chuckles at him and reminds him she's a trekker she knows exactly who silica is and she doesn't make much of a hostage
0: that's right she doesn't fall for that and i'm looking now at page 84 and i especially like just the one panel top left that close-up of mercy's face and you can see how stern she is she means business and she's going to do what she has to in this situation
1: Turning on to pages 85 and 86, we get a nice two-page spread that, again, illustrates Ron Randall's excellent use of form and body movement. Because as Mercy is climbing this cliff, you can really imagine her doing it because the position of her arms, her legs, the tension in the muscles, and her face all look very realistic.
0: One thing that I noticed about this page that I want to share is the cluster of panels in the bottom right corner. If you look on their left-hand side, all of those lines slope upwards, kind of parallel with the path that Mercy is having to climb up the rock side. So that really just emphasizes that flow and that movement of where she's having to climb up that pile of rocks.
1: I'm really glad you pointed that out. That's very nice. Great layout.
0: And I'll add, if we move on over to page 87, similar thing happens there with the cluster of panels on the top. Uh, there's another sloping line in a descent, and that is at the point where she and Hilts are tumbling down the mountainside. So again, just emphasizing more that movement just with how the panels' borders are drawn.
1: I like it. And we turn on then to the end of the story, page 88. Hiltz manages to make his way back to the ship, and just as he notices some blood in the doorway to the ship, we get this massive boom, and he's shot, falls back.
0: And you can really see the motion there, uh, just the anatomy of how he is blasted and falling backwards out of the ship. That motion looks absolutely correct the way it's drawn.
1: Very nice. Well, why don't we do a quick... Review of our favorite page and favorite panel. Would you like to go first?
0: Okay. Back to page 69. One of my favorites. This is Hiltz making his startling entrance into the trading post. He's intimidating. And what I am impressed with on this page is the use of the dark and the lights. Just very bold darks. And, of course, the bright lights, in contrast, make a wonderful effect and design that really appeals to me. Very dramatic. Very dramatic. Nice, I like that. And I'll say the winner of page for me for this issue is 80. That is the one where the very top panel, she's rising up out of the water, cracking him with that stick. And the motion that's there, you can feel like the water is splashing you. He's falling back. Just so much going on on this page. Very dynamic.
1: I always like... Seeing what we choose as our favorite pages and favorite panels because we don't ever share in advance what they are. So it's interesting sometimes when they overlap and when they don't. So I'll share more in a moment. Uh So for me, talking about favorite pages, very close to where you just left off is my runner up two pages, I guess. It's the two-page spread, pages 85 and 86, that flow together that are stunning to me. I just love the movement and the action here, the gritty look on Mercy's face, the way she hangs precariously. It's just a stunning couple of pages. And I find it interesting that on page 86, Ron Randall actually signed at the bottom of that page, which uh, I'm assuming means he was particularly proud of it. Maybe he thought it would be a page that uh, would be one he would sell. But I found that interesting. But I love those two pages. But I did have a different page that won. And let me scroll back to it. Here, finally, all the way back, page 71. So it seems at first like a very simple page because it's mostly just different panels of mercy flying into the burning trading post. But I'm very impressed with this page because Ron Randall uses such a diverse layout, so many different panel sizes and shapes, so many different perspectives and points of view of mercy, the ship, the rocks, the burning trading post. To me, it's a stunning page, and I love that panel of her ship just cresting over, heading down to the trading post. So page 71 is definitely my favorite page.
0: Good choice. Now I'm going to move on to favorite panels. Let's go back to page 82, top right corner. It's a small panel. It's the one where Mercy, as a silhouette, is using the reeler to cross this marshy area. And just, again, something small, simple, the contrast of the darks and the light, uh, all of the kind of trees in the background are silhouettes that are dark, and the foreground, they're light, and just adds a lot of depth to that.
1: I'm really glad that you picked that panel because it, again, is an example to me of just how impressive Ron Randall's art can be in any panel because you look at a panel like that, And it's more interesting and more stunning sometimes than full page splash pages that some artists do. So very nice. I like it.
0: And now for my winning panel, let's go to page 85. This is the largest segment on the page on the left where she is trying to pull herself up climbing up the cliffside. And I'm impressed with the art. I have tried to draw rocks and cliffs and such before, and I know how hard it is to really make it look uh, realistic. And he he does it very well, so I'm impressed with that. And I also appreciate the details. For example, there's a small nest full of eggs touched in there on one of the rock ledges uh, so again just small touches that make this world come to life
1: i'm really glad you pointed out those eggs i hadn't noticed them so thank you and if we flip back to page 68 will be my runner-up panel i mentioned this one as we went through earlier but that panel in the center of page 68 of hilt's ship flying in toward the trading post to me it embodies the entire issue in that one small panel you get the futuristic ship, you get the Old West style trading post, you get the windswept desert scenery, you just get the entire feeling of the whole issue in that one page. But I have a favorite panel that trumps it if we page forward to page 80. So that's why I was interested in what you chose as your favorite page earlier because while well, I didn't choose it as my favorite page, my favorite panel is easily the top panel on page 80. Again, just an amazing panel to show off how Ron Randall can capture movement. In this single panel, we get an image of Mercy rising from the water, swinging a branch, hitting hilts, and he falls backwards. And I can imagine that I see all that happen in this one panel. Truly great.
0: Yeah, that's remarkable. It comes vividly alive in a cinematic way, although it's just one panel drawing. There's a lot packed into it.
1: In the who's who's portion of each episode, we talk about significant characters from the stories and get to know them a little better. We'll try to avoid looking ahead even if we know more from later stories because we don't want to spoil the stories for anyone reading them for the first time. That means we'll revisit characters over time as we learn more things about them.
0: Now we already know Mercy St. Clair and that she is a bounty hunter known as a trekker. She lives in Antari Alley, which is the bad part of town. She spends most of her money on weapons for her job and food for her pet scuff. Scuff is a dox, which looks like a cross between a dog and a cat and a fox. But we don't see Scuff in this issue.
1: Alex St. Clair is Mercy's uncle and is a lieutenant in the police force. While the police and trackers don't generally like each other, these two obviously care for each other and sometimes collaborate on cases. He has a small cameo in this issue, and we see him hoping that Mercy will bring hilts in.
0: Molly Sundowner and Paul Clemens have a single scene together in this issue. Molly is a shopkeeper and Mercy's friend. Paul is a police officer working in the same precinct as Uncle Alex. And Paul is trying to build a relationship with Mercy, but she is much more hesitant to move forward than he is. And
1: in this issue, we meet Tom Richards, who is an unemployed professor who lives in Mercy's building, and we learn he has a crush on Mercy. And thanks to Brian Mulvey, we also know he's a nod to musician Richard Thompson.
0: (laughs) Next up is Trekker Transmissions, where we share emails, Facebook posts, and other messages we've received since the previous episode. We continue to be amazed with the response to the podcast. Your support is the only way to get attention to the show. So we sincerely thank all of you who have shared news about the show on social media. So please consider tweeting about the show and sharing Facebook posts. It makes a world of difference.
1: We received a great Facebook message from none other than Jeremy Caldwell. You probably remember us mentioning him in the first episode because he colored the first Trekker story for the Omnibus, and we bragged about his colors and how they made the book look 3D in places. He reached out to us to give us a better quality image of the illustration of Mercy we used for the podcast logo. He had noticed the image we were using was slightly stretched and the colors were off, so he sent us a beautiful corrected image that we immediately uploaded as our Twitter image and on our Facebook page, and starting with this third episode of the podcast, we'll also be using the image for our podcast logo.
0: Jeremy shared a nice compliment, saying, I really like what you've done with the podcast and all the tracker promotion. I know it especially means a lot to Ron. I heard the comments about my colors in Episode 1, very generous of you two. That first book was very early in my development, and it was a great learning experience for me. We let him know that we'd like to see him at a con, and he let us know that he doesn't do very many cons. Sadly, it seems that colorists aren't big draws for the shows. And that's really surprising to us, as colorists can add so much value to the art. We find that disappointing since so many fans won't even read black and white comics, and yet they don't seem to value the colorist.
1: However, it was good to learn that Jeremy does visit cons whenever he can. He lives in the Northwest, so if you're lucky, you may run into him at one of the main cons in Oregon, Washington, or Idaho. He mentioned Rose City Comic Con and Emerald City Comic Con as a couple of examples, and we know that Ron Randall often frequents those as well. So just keep an eye on his Facebook page to know when he'll be a guest at a con. He has worked mostly for Dark Horse and IDW over the past year. We'll post the link to a list of his published credits in the show notes. For now, I'll mention a few that stand out to me, which include a favorite of mine, Rocky and Bullwinkle, Mr. Peabody, Powerpuff Girls, Dexter's Laboratory, and Grim Fairy Tales.
0: He has some interesting books coming up in July, notably Bloodstrike and The Covenant, both from Image. He is also working with Ron on Super Angry Birds from Rovio and IDW, available on Comixology for now and then print later.
1: And I've read those on Comixology and they're very fun, so check them out. We heard from Pablo. He shared that Trekker was one of his first comic discoveries. He picked up his first issue at a flea market and was hooked. He wrote, I grew up reading Trekker. It was one of the earliest comics I ever read. It's books like this that opened my heart to drawing comics today. He also mentioned that he had tweeted about it to Ron Randall on Twitter and was thrilled when Ron replied. You can follow Pablo on Twitter using the handle unknownmeldoa, and he's the artist on the comic The Glitter and the Trauma.
0: Since last episode, we received an email from Brian Mulvey. He and his wife went on vacation to Italy. They spent time in Rome and Pompeii. It all sounded fantastic. And on top of that, he actually listened to our podcast while in Rome. What a delight to know that he set aside that time while on what was obviously a lovely trip. Brian shared several comments, saying, Great job again, you two. Funny, but your show is paced like one of Ron's stories. The time flew by. I like the pages and the panels you called out, as well as complimenting Ron's skill as an artist and storyteller. In addition to that, Brian also posted about the amazing Ron Randall commission he got this past month. It was gorgeous. A stunning full color picture of Mercy with the city in the background. Brian has generously offered to let us post a picture of the commission on the Trekker Talk Facebook page. So please visit there and take a look at this gorgeous drawing.
1: All I can say is that after a vacation to Italy and getting an original full-color piece by Ron Randall, everyone has my permission to be extremely jealous of Brian this month.
0: Oh, I know I am.
1: We also received a message from fellow podcaster Ed Moore. Ed and his son Nick did a fun Green Arrow podcast titled The Emerald Archer that we listen to regularly. Sadly, it's currently on hiatus, but maybe it'll return one of these days. Hint, hint.
0: He does several other podcasts, including Ronin Rabbit, about Usagi Yojimbo, Lords of Order, about Dr. Fate, and The Mighty Thorcast. We encourage you to check out his podcast if you like any of those series.
1: We particularly like Ronin Rabbit because we're fans of Japanese samurai movies, especially the excellent Zadoichi films about the blind samurai, Lone Wolf and Cub, the films of Toshiro Mufuni, and of course, almost any movie by Akira Kurosawa.
0: We also want to extend our Trekker thanks to those who supported us on social media since the last episode. These are the people who liked our Facebook page or favorited or retweeted our tweets from @TrekkerTalk. We sincerely thank all of you for your support and encourage you to help promote Trekker. It is the only way to get more people to read the comics. We want to once again thank the one and only Ron Randall who gave his support to the show. He tweeted about the podcast on several occasions and posted to his Facebook page. He also posted a message on the official Trekkercomic.com page, and here I'll read an excerpt from that. Well, no one was more surprised than I to learn that two incredibly supportive Trekker fans have launched a podcast where they discuss all of the Trekker stories. Trekker Talk takes one story per installment and goes over it in thoughtful depth and detail. They also have fun contests and other ways to engage their listeners. It's flattering, if a bit disorienting, to know that the series has inspired that kind of enthusiastic support, and I'm very grateful to the couple.
1: That was an amazing post for Ron Randall to put on his official TrekkerComic.com page, and we sincerely thank you very much, Mr. Randall. We want to move on next with our Trekker thanks to all those who supported us on social media. If we missed a name, please let us know. It wasn't intentional, and we'll correct our oversight in the next episode. And please forgive us if we mispronounced your name. You can email us about that, too, and we'll correct that next time as well. We want to thank, after the gold rush, Alberto Sorlano, Alec Coleman, Angela Short, Arthur Curry, Aquaman listens to our show, Bob Kiefer, Boosterific.com, Bradley Tim, Brendan Bean, Brian Mulvey, Cat Ferris, who I know helps Ron Randall on, Trekker, thank you, Comic Bits, Comic Concave, who we exchanged several nice messages with during the Heroes Con weekend. Comics Digest, Comics Therapy, Cosplay USA, Costume Games, and Count Druncula, who records the Flowers and Fishnets podcast about Black Canary. We played the promo to that show last episode.
0: And I'll continue with Doc Comics, Drew, Eli, Ellison Brooks, Firestorm Fan, Green Justice Podcast, Harry Rasmussen, Heroes Online, Horcruxus, James McEntee, Jamie Gamble, Jay Dakran, Jedi Shua, Jeff Parker, oh hey, he writes Aquaman, John Lewis, Joseph Adam Davis, Josh Elder, Chaos Atene, Kirk, Lord Horticles, Mark Dell.
1: And continuing, Penny, Periscope Studios, which is also associated with Ron Randall, Russ Burlingame, Scott, Spider Nunson, Star Fox, Tom Sable, Tom Barnett, Tommy Brevard, Tony Greenall, Will Peach, and Wonder
0: Woman. Go Wonder Woman! Yay!
1: <laughs> we had a very tight race for our Trekker Toast Award this time. Brian Mulvia was certainly in the competition as he retweeted several of our posts to promote the show and wrote us another great email. However... Brian's already had a very good month with his trip to Italy and his original drawing by Ron Randall, and I'm very concerned that any more good news could potentially jinx him, so we're eliminating Brian from consideration this time in his own best interests.
0: However, our Trekker Talk toast will not go unawarded this month because we had another individual out there promoting the show on social networks. In fact, he wrote such a great tweet about how much he liked Trekker and the podcast that it attracted the attention of Ron Randall himself, and the group of us had a short online conversation. So for supporting the show and writing a post that was so positive that it attracted Ron Randall's attention, we raise our glasses in a Trekker Toast to Tony Greenall. Thank you, Tony. Please continue to promote the show. Every message helps, and we sincerely appreciate you taking the time to support our podcast.
1: Thank you, Tony. And we'll be right back, but first we want to share promos for a couple of other podcasts you might enjoy.
0: Calabac. It is I, Darkseid. I command. Listen to the Who's Who podcast. Uncover the powers and weaknesses of the super friends so that I may destroy them. Aquaman and Superman, Animal Man and Plastic Man, Firestorm and Nuclear Man, Batman and Hawkman, 2D Man and Hour Man. Who are all these people,
1: man? They're all part of the DC. Who's Who? Ultra
0: Boy and That one guy. What guy?
1: Mr. Pretzel, Mr. Lipstick, mm-hmm. Mr. Mitzelfuzzle, Mr. Mitzi's Pitlick? Yeah, him. He's also part of the DC <laughs> Who's Who. Who's Who, the definitive podcast of the DC Universe. Available monthly at Aquaman Shrine, Firestorm Fan, and on iTunes and Stitcher as part of the Fire and Water Podcast.
0: I am Vengeance. I am the knight. I am back.
1: You need to take the trash out. Hey, I'm trying to make a trailer for a podcast. Oh, you mean Supermates, the husband and wife geek cast?
0: Why, yes, that is what I mean. The show where you and I discuss all things geeky. Comics, TV, movies, books, you name it. Well, are you going to tell them that you can find the show at
1: www.supermatescomic.blogspot.com? Well, I think you kind of already did.
0: And that new shows will be posted bi-weekly, every two weeks? I was, but you just kind of did that too.
1: Well, see? Now you can go take out the trash. Great. So join us, Cindy... And Chris... Franklin, for the Supermates the Husband and Wife geek cast, at supermatescomic.blogspot.com.
0: It's time for What's Up, when we talk about the other areas of fandom besides Trekker.
1: We just recently attended HeroesCon in Charlotte, North Carolina. It's a consistently fun event held in the huge Charlotte Convention Center. They had 200,000 square feet of space and about 35,000 attendees during the weekend.
0: Certainly the big draw for the convention this year was the appearance of Stan Lee. There were long zigzagging lines for his autographs and photographs.
1: And we're fans of Aquaman, and Cullen Bunn, who took over writing the series with the recently released Issue 41, was on hand. He was there along with Brian Hurt to promote their series, The Sixth Gun.
0: Andy Runton, who is the creator, writer, and artist behind the family-friendly series Alley, was there as well. We met him a few years ago at DragonCon, and it was great to have an opportunity to pick up copies of his latest books. We highly recommend this wonderful series to anyone buying books for children or themselves. Reading his books evoke the same whimsy and charm as Winnie the Pooh and Wind in the Willows. Consider checking out Allie at his website, andyrunton.com.
1: It's an amazing series, and we do encourage you to check it out. And speaking of DragonCon, we'll be attending DragonCon in September, so if there are any other Trekker fans out there who are planning to attend DragonCon, please send us an email and let us know. It would be great to meet up during that nice weekend. There was also lots of great cosplay at Heroes Con. We tweeted several photos over the weekend, and we'll add a few of those to our Facebook page as well. We were pleasantly surprised that there were several obscure characters that were well represented. Dr. Fate, Star Sapphire, Raven, Booster Gold, and Captain Boomerang were there, along with the more traditional Batman and Wonder Woman costumes. There was also a Superman cosplay specifically representing the George Reeves version of the character that was great. And probably the best costume we saw was a stunning black manta with glowing red eyes.
0: A couple of you asked about the Trekker t-shirts that we wore to Heroes Con. We actually made those shirts ourselves using our non-transfers. We found that the covers to the Trekker issues make great t-shirts. You can find some nice pictures to consider in the galleries on trekkercomic.com or by doing a Google search for Trekker Comic or Mercy St. Clair and then looking at the Images tab. It was an easy process and we encourage all of you to consider doing the same the next time you attend a convention. It's a great way to promote Trekker. There are two types of iron-on transfers for t-shirts. One type is designed for light-colored shirts, while the other is designed for dark-colored shirts. So just be sure to get the correct version based on the color that you've selected for your shirt. And I'll give you a tip. If the transfer peels at the corners when you wash it, just use the parchment paper that was included with the packet of the transfer. Take the iron, touch up the edges after the washing, and you'll be set. Next up is a section we're calling Mercy Memorials, and it's a section that we hope to rarely feature.
1: Two of our favorite actors of all time passed away since the last episode.
0: Christopher Lee passed away on June 7th.
1: I grew up watching classic Hammer Horror films that would often be shown on TV on weekend matinees, and many of them featured Christopher Lee as the iconic Dracula, as well as many other characters.
0: More recently, Christopher Lee played the White Wizard Saruman in both the Lord of the Rings trilogy and the Hobbit trilogy.
1: It was very fitting for Christopher Lee to be in those films because he was probably the biggest fan of J.R.R. Tolkien. He read the Lord of the Rings trilogy as it was originally released in the 1950s and proceeded to read both The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings every year thereafter. We've even heard him reminisce about the time he met J.R.R. Tolkien and became a fanboy himself. That would have been a fun sight to see.
0: And sadly, Patrick McNee passed away on June 25th.
1: Though he was in many other things, Patrick McNee will always be remembered as the definition of class, playing John Steed in The Avengers for six seasons in the 1960s, and then for two additional seasons in The New Avengers in the 1970s. For me, The Avengers aren't Iron Man, Thor, and the Hulk, but rather John Steed and the various members of his team, including Emma Peele, Kathy Gale, Tara King, Mike Gambit, and Purdy.
0: We were fortunate to attend the Avengers 50th anniversary celebration in 2011, where we were able to meet several members of the cast and production crew. Sadly, Patrick McNee was not well enough to travel from his home in California to the event in England, but he recorded a video message for the event and shared his memories of making the series. It was really a wonderful event.
1: Both of these great actors will be missed. And if you're fans of both, you can actually see them together in two mysteries. Christopher Lee plays Holmes, and Patrick Mcnee plays Watson in Sherlock Holmes and the Leading Lady, and Sherlock Holmes in The Incident at Victoria Falls.
0: Before we go, we want to provide our contact information. Please let us know your thoughts through email, Facebook, or Twitter. Also, if you like the show, please consider leaving a review on iTunes and Stitcher and giving us a good rating. These are the only ways to help the show get noticed and hopefully attract more listeners to help Trekker fandom grow.
1: If you want to contact us directly, you can send an email at trekkertalk at gmail.com. We're at facebook.com slash or on Twitter at trekkertalk. Please use hashtag trekkertalk and hashtag trekkercomic in your messages to help other fans find and follow the conversation. Plus, if you have ideas for other hashtags to help spread the word about Trekker, let us know and we'll share them going forward.
0: Also, please visit Ron Randall's official TrekkerComic.com website, where you will see a new Trekker page every Monday. And at TrekkerComic.com, you'll find links to everywhere you can find Ron Randall, from Facebook to Twitter to Tumblr, and he often responds to posts on his Facebook page and on his Patreon site. So post to his pages and let him and other fans know what you think of his new Trekker pages. It would be fun to get some good conversations going on about that new material.
1: Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll come back next month for another new episode of Trekker Talk. Trekker Talk is not affiliated with Dark Horse Comics or Ron Randall the views expressed on the show are solely ours music is taken from the album royalty-free music movies and videos from the royalty-free music club sound effects are taken from the album cartoon sound effects from the royalty-free sound effects factory we make no money from this podcast and no copyright infringement is intended